Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia welcomes you to our weekly time of worship and study of God's Word with Pastor Jesse Wagoner. So sit back, relax, and get comfortable, because when you're here, you're home. And to participate in community, to come to the table, to come to this place where we can have this meeting with our Lord. So we want to do that today. You ever had just one of those days? You know, we use that phrase uh, kind of often. And we know what that means. I hope none of you are having one of those days this day. If, if you are, I hope we're going to make it better in the next few minutes as we look into the Word of God. I remember I had one of those days when I was a very young college student. Now, I woke up late one morning, which meant I was not going to have any breakfast that day. Now, some of you don't even know what breakfast is. Some of you, it's optional. For me, it has never been an option. Okay, you've got to start today with some food. That's my approach. So, no breakfast. And I had some things I had to get ready for class that day, and I had an early class I had to get to, and just everything was just kind of flushed. So I go to, get, go to get dressed, and I realize I don't have a clean shirt. No time for a shower, no time for a shave, just, just, just kind of do what you got to do. So I, I found my cleanest, dirty shirt to put on. I don't know if you've ever done that or not. I'm probably the only one in the room that's ever done that. Then I got a pair of pants, and they are, like, wrinkled really badly. I mean, like, mangled wrinkled. So I decided, you know, in the midst of this bad day, I could make this better by going across the hallway and getting my buddy who had an iron. I'd, you'll find out why it was a good idea for me not to have an iron here in a moment. So I went across the, the hallway to my buddy and said, can I borrow your iron? So I get his iron, plug it in. I didn't know much about irons. There was this setting on it called, called clean. They might as well have called it like Chernobyl reactor meltdown setting, I guess. Because I get my pants laid out there and I just put it on there and went and it was not a scorch mark. It's suddenly where that fabric used to be is no longer there. It's attached to the bottom of my buddy's iron. So I have my pants burned with a hole all the way through. I've ruined my buddy's iron. I've got I to settle up with him later about this. No breakfast, everything bad. And it just kind of is one of those hallmarks of a day. You know, you may say, well, what do you do about a really bad day? Well, fortunately, about a year later, I got married. So that helped my whole domestic situation in, in numerous ways, numerous ways. And uh, fortunately, I have a wife who can actually do some of those things when I really can't do them very well. So uh, we have these days we're messed up. And the important thing is when we, have a, when we have a difficult day is that we come to a place where we figure out what the solution is. In the book of 1 Corinthians that we're going to look at today, and we're going to be in chapter 11, but I'll just give you a little bit of a, a run through ahead of time. He does this. He faces a number of problems. I mean, there's problems domestically with families. There's problems with, with over the spiritual gifts. There's problems of people fussing and fighting, and, and they're denying the truth of Scripture in some ways. So all that is, is in play. So the reality is that, that he addresses it all the same way. And you're going to find out, if you study 1 Corinthians, for every problem, he always diverts back. He always refocuses back on Christ and Him crucified. He takes us back to Christ and Him crucified. So whatever we face today, and we're going to look at some of those problems that we see in this text that can relate to us, but we're going to find out that in reality, the solution is the same. We come to the table and we sit at the cross. We come to this reality that we indeed come to Him and we honor Him and we seek to uh, listen to what He has to say to us. So let's just talk about that today. I don't have it. There's no slides. There's no words on the screen. It's just you and I in a Bible, and that's probably a good way to, to handle this communion time together. Then as we come to the end of the service, we'll participate together and show forth the Lord's death till he comes. So pick it up, in, if you will, in verse 17. 
he's not, again addressing a number of problems, and here he's addressing around communion. He says, Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you, since you come together not for the better but for the worse. <laughs> you think a preacher's going to say, You're coming. People are coming to church. That's good. This is a good thing. He says, but the problem is you're coming together. It's not making anything better. In fact, it's, it's, it's obviously making things worse. Now, he's going to get into the details of that in just a moment. But I just want to apply that in a very general sense because the solution is the same for all these problems. Number one, you just have a general trend of thing going, going, things going from good to bad or from bad to worse. If that is your trend, if that's the, if that's the, the status in life, it's a good time to run to the cross and come to the table and sit at Jesus' feet. Even if that good to bad, bad to worse is because of something you have done, it's definitely time to come to the table and sit at the cross. And sometimes, think of Job. Remember his friend said, oh, Job, only bad things happen to bad people. Therefore, you must be a really wicked sinner. If you just repent of your sins, all these troubles would go away. We know the rest of the story because what God reveals to us beforehand and we know he was not a sinner. Sometimes going from good to bad and bad to worse is just what God allows in this fallen, broken world. But with that in mind, here's what you do. You go to the cross. And now we're going to kind of do a little jumping back and forth. But I want you to jump down to verse 23 where he actually gives the teaching about communion. And I want us to think. So if you have a situation going from good to bad, bad to worse, whether it's something you've messed up or you're an innocent victim, whether you're the villain or the victim, it doesn't matter. You run to the cross. For I received from the Lord, verse 23, that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betray betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it. And I'm going to stop there for just a moment. When we come to the cross, and that's why God said every so often, the church is to gather together and we're to have the bread and have the cup and we're to remember the body and the blood of Christ. We're to come back to this central reality that it all starts with him. It's all culminated in him. He's the point of it all. He's the one who made it all. He's the solution to all. He's in everything of our lives. We come back and we just say, Lord, we follow your example and we listen to your voice. I find it interesting that Paul, when he says this, the night he was betrayed, he could have said the night he prayed in the garden the night he washed the disciples' feet, the night he prayed to the Father, that great prayer in John 17, the night he told us about that he would come again and receive us to himself in John 14. He could have said all that. He said, no, the night he was betrayed, he took bread and gave thanks. That's our example because this goes to our motivation. Our motivation is not about our comfort. Our motivation is not about ourselves. Our motivation is what can we do that honors the Lord who is willing to have his blood spilled and his body broken for us. How do we come to that place? We come to that place by spending some time with him. And that's what we're going to do this morning. And by the way, coming to the table and saying to him we are here and running to the foot of the cross is not something we only do certain times on Sunday mornings. It's not something we only do Sunday mornings, but this is what we need to do regularly. And sometimes you have one of those days where it's a very bad day. Many times it's our fault, sometimes it isn't. We just run to the cross. You know, you, one thing I've learned, you can't relive yesterday. There's a few yesterdays I would love to relive, but there is no time machine to take us back. All we can do is find forgiveness for that, learn the lessons that we need to learn from whatever the mess up was, figuring out how Satan tripped us up or how we should have been a little more resilient in that situation. We come to the cross and we say, Lord, you served 
even though you, you were betrayed. You gave thanks even when everybody abandoned you. Do you ever think about the Lord Jesus? All the disciples abandoned Judas betrayed him. The rest of the disciples abandoned him. There's no one rushing to his defense. There's no one leading an uprising to come and rescue him. There's no rescue party. There's no SWAT team kicking in the doors. He's all left alone to be the Savior, to be the sin bearer for you. Run to the cross. Come to the table. Number two, go back to verse 18. First of all, when you come together as a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part I believe it. <laughs> well, it was true there were divisions in the church, but the reality is, he says, I know almost I believe it. This is, this is almost beyond my ability to understand. This is almost beyond my ability to comprehend that you are so focused on yourself. But here's the great news. Here's the great news. He's going to encourage them by the end of this passage to come to the table and sit at the cross. He says in verse 19, For there must, be, there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. So not only was there disagreements, not only was there the reality that we understand that we need to have the Savior's outlook, but we also need to understand that indeed we need to spend time with Him. So flip back over to our passage, verse 24. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. If there's anybody who could have probably had a reason to be factious, to be divided, to say, You know what? I preached for three and a half years. Even those closest to me have abandoned me. No one's listening to me. No one's here. No one's seeming to, doesn't seem like it's working on a human level. But he didn't abandon us, he didn't abandon the mission. And he says this, and this is what we read in this passage. He says, he gave his, this bread, he says, take and eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This is my, the picture of my bloodshed as he goes into the next verse. Now, we understand that what we participate in today is symbolic. It is the picture to remind us of these things that have done. There's no magic here. There's no, there's no spiritual thing going on that, that's beyond the symbolism. Because he wants to talk, not physically to us, but he wants to talk to our hearts and to flood our minds with this. That this is how much you were loved. I love the songs we've sung this morning. You know, love did run red, as we just sang about. And we can come to this table. And if, no matter how broken, how messed up we are, no matter what our record is, no matter what our life's about, that we can come to him. So we come to the table. What's the solution when we're factious, when, we're, when, we're, when there's divisions among us? You come to the cross. By the way, it works on a very practical level as well. Because it might be, it might be that there might be an occasion, a rare occasion, I'm sure, that one of us would ever be in conflict with someone else. I, I, I partly could believe it. I could almost believe it. But you know, the solution is, whether it is brothers and sisters, whether it's husbands and wives, friends, church members, the solution is to come back to what we have in common. That we are saved by the same Savior that we're washed in the same blood, that we are bound for the same place, that we are of the same family, and that's what draws us together. When that is absent from our minds and when that is rare in our hearts, about all that's left is what I want and what you want, and let's struggle in that competition to get what we want. If we can come to this place where we can say, Lord, I come to the table, I sit at the cross, I come to this place where I'm focused on you. It's amazing how everything else resets in our hearts and minds. There's another problem, you see. Good verse 20. Therefore, 
when you come together in one place, is it not to eat the Lord's Supper? Emphasis added for effect. I think he's, I think he's almost incredulous at this point. Isn't this the reason you're here? It's almost fatherly, you know. Sometimes we give our kids the hearing test, you know. Didn't I say? Well, of course you did, but you want to make sure that they heard you say it. So that's kind of what he's saying here. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. Uh, this is messed up on multiple levels, isn't it? Now, there's a, there's a background to this. In the religions the people in Corinth came out of that they abandoned to come to Christ, religion was almost always associated with a big party. That's probably why those religions were part, at least popular to the flesh, okay? And uh, wine would flow and all sorts of bad things would happen and there was no boundaries and it was just, it was just, it was debauchery. That would be the best way to say it. So now they've come to Christ. We are coming to this thing that we call communion. We're coming together to, to have uh, some juice and to have some bread and to have the time together. They just used as a template their past lives, and let's just, it's, it's party time. Hey, I brought my dinner, and there's one eating, and this person doesn't have enough to eat, and then one has some, something to drink and has too much to drink, and, and it just turns into a scene. It really can be summed up in one word, and the one word is selfishness. I suppose that you and I are mature enough and have enough track record in life to know that selfishness is at the core of so many, so many of our problems in life. Maybe almost every problem in life. I don't want to paint with too broad a brush, but it's just selfish. I want what I want, and I want it now, and I want it my way, and I don't want it your way, I want it my way. And I'm going to take care of me and mine, and I'm sorry if you don't have enough to eat, but we have, we, we have our own thing over here. And it was just selfishness. It was just selfishness on display. If you look back at verse 24, so take eat this my body which is broken in remembrance of me. Focus on me. Come to the table. Think about me. In the same manner he also took the cup after supper saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood which do, do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. The solution to the selfishness is to regularly come to the table. You've come this morning. And I want you to come thoughtful. You know, it's just easy to have, oh, here's a little piece of bread, here's something to drink. We've done this many times, and this has been part of my experience since childhood, growing up in church. Maybe this is new to you, maybe it's routine, but remember, we are to be thinking these thoughts as we partake. We're to be thinking about remembering. And notice, look at verse 26, a powerful verse, okay? For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Throughout this book of 1 Corinthians, in fact, throughout the New Testament, the greatest message that we can proclaim is the message of Christ. Sometimes we call it the gospel. The fact that we needed a Savior, God sent His Son to be that Savior, and Jesus Christ is the one and only Savior that there is. And He invites all to come and partake, to come to His table, to come and find forgiveness. If you're here this morning and that is an open question for you, if you're listening this morning, that's not a something that you have settled in your heart and mind. I, I just invite you, come to Jesus. Come to him and believe in him. If you have, need help in understanding what that means, and we'd love to take some time, however much time we need after the service, we can have a quiet conversation. We'd be glad to share with you how you can be one of his children and you can come to the table. If you are one of his children, remember and show it 
show it by our actions. We show it to each other. This is the picture that we remember. And then he says this. He says this. You proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Till he comes. You know, most of us, I don't have my phone with me right up here. Otherwise, I don't, I don't like to having, making phone calls and dinging when I'm here. So I try not to bring it with me. But most of us have some pictures on our phones. I could show you, if you'd like, if you have enough time, I could show you pictures of all my grandchildren if you'd like. I'd have it right on my phone. I'd be happy to show them to you. You know what? But if uh, my grandchildren are standing beside me, I'm not going to show you a picture. I'm going to say, they're right here. Jesus knew that we were going to be apart for a little while. And he says, I'm going to give you a picture. And this is it. This is the picture we look at. It's more precious than the most precious loved one that you could ever scroll through your gallery and show pictures of. As precious as that is. But you understand, someday we're not going to need the picture anymore. We will see him face to face. That's the reason it says in this verse, we proclaim, show forth the Lord's death till he comes. So when days, when days are going bad, run to him. When divisions and factions, run to him. When selfishness is the problem, run to him. You could also add to that, and it says they're drunk and all this thing going with them, verse 21. Just sinful actions. When we've just sinned, when we just messed up, when we need to confess, we need to come. And he talks about that as we go on down in our passage, 27. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body of the blood of the Lord. That basically just means you've not dealt with your sin. Now, I understand our sins are forgiven judiciously, judicially forgiven. But we need to come clean with him in our relationship, our walk with him, our fellowship with him. That's why verse 28 is in the text. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat the bread and drink of the cup. Part of our times like this to come to the Lord, come to the table, our times when we do it as a, as a just individual, we do it in whatever setting we're focused on Christ, we come to him and we say, Lord, take a good look at my heart. If there's some wicked way in here, point it out. And I want to confess it and I want to forsake it. Sometimes we're reluctant to because we don't, sometimes we think almost like we could fool God. Well, that wasn't that big a deal. I don't need to bring it out. God already knows all about it anyway. Just confess it and say, Lord, I confess it. I, I agree that shouldn't have happened or that should have happened when you wanted me to do it and I didn't do it. Lord, I confess it and I, I forsake it. That's how we deal with those sinful actions. Back, verse 22. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or, you or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. I bet when they, pull, when they pulled out this scroll the first time and they started unscrolling it, oh, a letter from the apostle to our church. And then they get to this sort of thing. I bet there was a few heads hanging low, don't you? I bet it was pin drop time. You know, you just couldn't hear it. He said, I don't praise you. Last problem that he faces is just this disrespect for the church of God, disrespect for the holiness of our assembly, disrespect for the need to be together with a clean heart and a pure mind and seeking to do what God wants us to do. We live in a day where one of the big threats that we face in church life is what many church people have coined as consumerism. You know, you go to the store, you go to that store, you go online, check it here. We just pick out what we think is the most value to us. If you're being a good consumer, that's not a bad thing. But when it comes to church, we don't come just to get what we can get out of. We come to put in what we can put in. 
The fact that you are here is of value to God. The fact that you are here to worship is of value to God. The fact that you put a gift in the offering is of value to God. The fact that you lift your voice in song is a gift to God. The fact that you give a friendly greeting to those you're with is a gift to God. The fact that you brought that big pile of food in back there is a gift to God. All these are ways to serve, and there's many ways to serve. So what do we do? We do what he says in this text that's before us. We take some bread, give thanks, we eat it together, remembering that his body was broken for us. We take a little cup of juice, and we give thanks for it, and we drink it to remember, to paint the picture that his blood was shed for us. And as we take that in, as we consume that, we're, we're attaching ourselves to it. And that's what we're going to do in just a moment. We're going to spend some time together at the Lord's table. I think you already know what we need to be thinking and what we need to be doing. I just want to use that as a way to say to you, really all the problems of life, all the issues of life, what do we do? Come to the table and sit at the cross. Father. Thank you for joining us for this time of worship and study brought to you by Mount Calvary Baptist Church in Charleston, West Virginia. If you are in the Charleston area, we would love for you to worship with us in person. For service times and more information, visit our website, calvarywv.com. Until next time, may His blessing be yours.